Well, good morning, Identity Church. I know, um, I know that we're still getting people back from the coffee station. People are fellowshipping, and I, I'm, I'm just going to kind of go ahead and get us into it. Um, amen. You know, one of the things that this week, this has been a roller coaster week for me. I, I'll just tell you. And good morning to all the people that's on our live stream and that's listening to us on our podcast. But this has been a roller coaster week. Um, there's been some work things I've been having to deal with, and there's some changes that's going to happen to me in my work. Um, you know, I, I basically, two months ago, didn't even know it, but I dislocated my leg. You know, all the things that everybody I've been telling everybody, oh, yeah, my leg's been hurting and all that. I, my fibula came out, and so Monday I'm trying to help my son-in-law to go to to get a washer and dryer, and I go running up some steps, and my knee popped, and I thought, man, I have messed my knee up because I couldn't walk on it hardly, and come to find out, my fibular head went back into the to the knee socket. Okay, and now, I mean. I'm, you know, within the next two weeks, they said I should be perfectly fine. So, I mean, that was a blessing, right? That was a praise God moment. But, you know, there's been, like, at the first of the week, I thought, I'm getting surgery. I mean, how many people know that the moment something like that happens, I can't walk around. You're like, I got to go to somewhere and I got to go get something done. I got some, you know, some hands raising. I mean, because you're sitting there going, I mean, a big man like me. Without my legs, it's hard to move around, right? Well, you know, the, the thing is, is that this week has been one of, those, one of those weeks where you're like, man, there's a bunch of roller coaster things. Because at the end of the week, when I went to the PT, and he goes, oh, yeah, your fibular head looked like it come out. He goes, you're going to be good in two weeks. Do you know that I was believing God that I wouldn't have to have surgery? I've been believing God for the last two months that my leg was going to be healed because it just kept bothering me over and over and over. And you know, whenever there's some turmoil, whenever thing, whenever there's times where, where I, you know, things are uncertain, the first thing you want to do is you want to get down in the dumps, the mully grubs. How, how many people have been in the mully grubs? You know, you sit there and you think to yourself, man. I can't walk. You know, nothing's going my way. Well, you know, in, in a lot of ways, that's when you become vulnerable, but you can also become open. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I was, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I thought surgery, right? Friday, I'm being told you're actually going to be better off than you were for the last two months. You know, I, I, find my, I find myself, the older I get, trying not to, to throw myself into that category of the worst thing that I can think. How many people has been there? The worst thing that you can think. You know, I, I had to learn this week. Because the moment that the Lord told me, the two things that I'm supposed to do, one about my job, one about my leg, I walked away humbled. Have you ever felt humbled by something? Where you walked away and thought, man, that was better than I could have ever thought. You know, 
I've been humbled plenty of times in my life. I've been physically humbled. I've been uh, spiritually humbled. I've been mentally humbled. Do you know that in, in our life, we go through a constant cycle of circumstances. We go through a constant cycle of ego. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a 45-year-old man. All of my life, I've been strong. You know, it was the first time I ever thought to myself, what if I can't? You know what? It took away things like peace. It took away peace of mind. It took away my idealism. I was down in the dumps. And you know, I say all this not because I'm, you know, I'm trying to give you a testimony of how bad things could have been. I'm trying to show you that in a lot of ways with what we've been talking about, putting on the full armor of God and how we're supposed to live our lives is that we are not supposed to be so far in our ego that we live outside of God and we're also not supposed to be so abased that we live in this fear. We're supposed to live in the middle. You know, the middle looks like this, that perfect love casts out all fear. You know, perfect love, that agape kind of love, you know, people go, well, I don't feel loved. Well, love is not, is not a feeling. Love's a choice. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Love is not a feeling. It's a choice because I can feel lots of things and still be loved. I mean, I can be sitting here and I can look at all of y'all and I can, y'all could be all looking at me like, what are you doing up there? But you're just thinking, you're going, I'm going to lunch. I got stuff I got to do next week. And you're not thinking about nothing. But I'm going, oh my gosh, I don't feel loved. You know that love, if it was a feeling, then it would just be lust. You know, lust is, is and, and I know we have the, the whole idealism about what lust is but lust is I want to have something I want to feel something I want to be a part of something see the agape kind of love the the love that casts out all fear it makes a choice it makes a choice to love and it makes a choice to be loved you know I walk around now Sometimes I have to fight with this. But I walk around going, well, most people love me. Now, I know that's untrue, okay? I know that most people don't love me. But if I make a choice to where I'm going to be loved by them and I'm going to love them, I have to think about that. I have to think that way. That there is the possibility that they would choose me. See, that's so much more powerful than a feeling. Because I can have a feeling and that feeling can go away pretty quickly. I mean, you get a pain in your knee, you don't feel anything but the pain in your knee. I love major pain years ago. It's like the kid was like, oh, it's my leg, it's my leg. You got shot in the leg. And he goes, let me see your finger. And he goes and he takes the finger and he breaks it. And he goes, and he goes, ah, see, it works every time. I took your mind off that pain. Well, you know what? If you take your mind off of that pain, you can continue to take your mind off of pain. 
But see, that's still not making a choice for love. And see, where, where fear is taken away is when we choose to love. We choose to put on love. We choose each other. Because I can feel a lot of things and I can still choose. Amen? Amen. We've, we've been talking about the, the whole armor of God. We're going to talk about walking in peace. And of course, we, we're, the whole armor of God comes out of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 17. And uh, Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 10, 15 says, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, our, our, our big guy here in the, the full armor of God, he's got all this armor on. You know, most of us don't even understand the armor of God. We, we don't understand armor. In fact, most people, unless you've been in the military, police, fire department, something like that, you don't understand why people put on certain things for certain reasons. Right? But I can break it down to simple facts, okay? So I'm looking out here and I got all the ladies out here. How many ladies has a jacket with you? Okay? Alright. Even I see a... I see some of the guys that have jackets. See, I got another layer that, that's right through here, so I don't need a jacket all the time. But this is the thing. You put on your jacket. You put on a scarf. You put on something in order to protect yourself from the cold. Well, see, when we put on the full armor of God, we're doing the exact same thing. We're putting something on in order to be able to, to do something. It's specific. I mean, you don't put the jacket on in order to make your feet warm, right? I mean, how many people put your jacket around your shoulders in order to make your feet warm? Nobody. It's because they wouldn't do it. Now you, got, you could throw the jacket over your feet, but how do you walk around? See, this is the thing. When we put on something, we're doing it for a purpose. So the last few weeks, we've been talking about the purpose spiritually for putting on the full armor of God. And so this week we're talking about the feet that is shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Ephesians 6.15, it says, And having shod, this word is, uh, well, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. I'm pretty bad at pronouncing the Greek words, but you can read it yourself. It's hupodioo or something like that. To bind under one's feet. Now, this word right here means that you're putting it under. It means I don't throw it over the top. It means that it's, it's not something that, that I put on a toe. It means that up under my actual foot, there is something that is being bound there. And so back in this day, you know, you had Paul and he's walking around and there's soldiers walking around. And the Roman soldiers, they bound like the best kind of cleat that you ever saw back in those days. They had these kind of cleats that I have here on the, on the picture. And they actually had metal spikes that came out of the bottom of them. They were woven into the actual leather. And, you may, and I've heard people say, you know, I've heard story, you know, people talk about the full armor of God. They've talked about this, you know, and they said, oh, that's so that you can... You can walk over anything. No, it was actually really bad to walk on a road. 
Because think about it. I, I used to play football. We had football cleats, baseball cleats, whatever cleat you had. You know, Caleb's playing lacrosse. Well, if you're out on turf or on grass, cleats are awesome. But they don't work very well if you're on a concrete surface. You slide everywhere. But see, the feet that was shod were the preparation of peace. It means that there was something bound to the bottom of their feet to try to help them. See, we put on things in order to help us. You know what that helping is? It means that when I need to lock down into my peace, I'm prepared. I lock my feet in. You know, when I played football back in high school, you would, you'd have two or three people that would be blocking you and then a running back that would come. And if you had the right grip and you were in this right place, you could take on all of it. Do you know that the Roman soldiers... They'd be out in the middle of a field and they'd be fighting and they're, they're trying to overtake some of them. But because they had spikes and the other people did not, they'd be able to push right over the top of them. See, that's the reason why when Paul saw this, this Roman soldier type of thing, he's looking at it and going, oh, these feet are prepared. These feet are prepared to take on strife and, and anger. See, these feet are able to, to bring peace rather than, than to have strife, fear, anger. And you know, a lot of times I look at that as being unprepared. How many people has, um, how many people has ever uh, like done tug of war back in school? You know... I watched a video the other day of a bunch of cheerleaders against football players. And what they did was they took the cheerleaders and they put them with bare feet. And then they put the, the, the football players and they made them go put their cleats on. And they were all out on this big concrete pad. You know who won? The cheerleaders won. You know why? And one of the guys that I was watching on this video actually said it. He goes... He goes, I feel so just dejected. You know, if you don't have the right preparation, if you don't know where you're going, if you don't know how to move in that direction and what the train's going to be, then guess what's going to happen? You're going to be unprepared for whatever comes at you. In fact, it, it says here, it says, having your feet shod means to, to bind under. Put these spikes on so that you don't get moved. Don't let your, your feet be moved from under you. And it says, with the preparation, that just means to be ready of the gospel, the good news of peace. Now, I used to believe when I was a kid all the way up to a certain point until I started studying on what the gospel is. But the gospel is just the good news. You know what? If I walked up to you and I said, hey, or like, I'm going to tell you what was great news. Get out of here. I got bugs flying all over the place. I thought he was about to come try to get in my mouth. Charlie actually had that happen one time. We were at VCF and he was singing and all of a sudden a fly went right in his mouth. So trying to try not to have that same thing happen. But do you know that, do you know that when, I walked into the PT office and he did some checking and he did all that kind of stuff. Do you know that the good news of peace came to me? 
hey, I think your fibular head popped back in. I think you're going to be fine in two weeks. Do you know that that was so freeing? See, good news is not just Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's good news. But let's just say this. Jesus Christ and Him crucified and His promises, that's great news. Because the good news continues. See, it's not just a one-time thing that happened, but the good news is continuing. We still have good news every single day. By His stripes, we were healed. I have the peace of God that passeth all understanding in my heart and in my mind. The love of God that was shed abroad in my heart, it's for you. See, we have to understand that the peace of God, the good news of God, is brought by us being prepared and to be able to stand in His promises. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This was also an offensive weapon. Look at that; those things. You could probably step on people. You could do all kinds of stuff. You know that when, that when the Roman soldiers did this, they didn't do it to just stand. Because if you go back and look, it talks about that in Ephesians chapter 6. It says here uh, in, in verse 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and to have done all to stand. So yes, we do need to be able to stand when we can do nothing else and to be able to withstand when something tries to overtake us. But let's just say this. We need to move forward. We need to be able to take some steps. And you know what? When you're in bad terrain and you've got these spikes on, you can take peace with you into places that are strife-filled. You can go into places that you've never seen people actually happy. You know, I, I was talking to, I, I've said this before, but I was, I was talking to Heather about this. There's been many a time in my job where I walk into a conference room and there's a lot of strife. And I come walking in and, and the, because I go in and I'm starting to talk to people, I just feel the the. the the peace starts to come. The peace of God. You know, you can bring peace to a situation. You can bring peace to people's lives. But you know, this is the, the main point here. Is that if I have to move forward, if I have to continue forward, I've got to be prepared for what is coming at me. What if what is coming at me is somebody comes up to you that you're trying to have peace with and they say, I got cancer. There's a lot of people that I know. I, I watched this guy at work one time. This was years ago. We were having, he loved to kid around with everybody. Loved to kid around. But he did not know how to take bad news. Did not know how to take it at all. And so this lady's telling us that she's got breast cancer. And I was sitting there talking to her. Well, he, he would mess with her on, on a daily basis, just you know, different stuff. But after he found out she had breast cancer, he could not bring himself to even talk to her. You know why? It's because he was not prepared to bring peace. He was prepared to be in somebody else's peace. See, that's the thing. When you bring peace, there's not always going to be peace to be had when you get there. 
you know, it, it's sad because I find that a lot of people get themselves into a place to where they can't get out. Oh, I've got to shun everything that makes me feel bad. Well, yeah, maybe. Maybe that's the best thing for you. But I'll tell you this. If you're not prepared, it probably is the best thing for you. Because you end up saying stupid stuff. See, God wants us to be prepared to where we can say the peaceful thing. To where we can bring peace to the situation. To where we can bring healing to the situation. To where we can be the ones that say, you know what, you can beat this. And I'm going to pray for you. And Will you stand with me? Because I'm standing with you. See, if you have, if you have the, your feet shone like these to where no matter what hits you, man, it's not going to move you back. You're going to be able to withstand and then you're going to be able to overtake. It says here in Mark chapter 12, verse 36, it says, For David himself said by the Holy Spirit, The Lord said unto my Lord, talking about Jesus, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstools. Now, this word footstool is the same thing as, a, as your being under your feet. Okay? It, it has the same connotation here. It's the same word, actually. So let me just say this for an example. And people get mad about this, so if you do, I'm sorry. But do you know that the reason why God went and told Israel and, and told the, the people of God to go and utterly destroy some of these, these places? It's because they had no peace. David was fighting the Philistines. The Philistines would come in, they would take their stuff. Philistines would come in and kill their people. Philistines would come in and they would, they would take their, their women and their children. Do you know that there's no peace in that? You know, the reason why we fight wars sometimes is because we make somebody our footstool. That means I've just brought peace to that situation. And a lot of people go, well, peace should not have anything to do with war. Well, guess what? If you're not fighting a war in your, in your life against the things that are trying to come against you, then you will be overtaken. See, peace has to be that I put my foot down. By God, I'm not going to let this thing take me over. I'm going to stand and I'm going to withstand anything that comes against me. See, when we stand against something, that means that sometimes we got to do something. And see, God would say, oh, well, you know, I'm going to make your enemy your footstools. And people will be like, well, see, that's not peaceful. Well, after they were their footstools, it was pretty peaceful for Israel. You know, there's going to be some people in your life that you've got to, that, and we're going to talk a little bit about this more, but there's some people and some circumstances that you have in your life, you got to get rid of. You got to put under your feet. You got to get away from. Because we have to understand that when there is peace, sometimes that means that your enemy is done away with. And see, those are the kind of things that, you know, peace comes when you're no longer worried. You know, after World War II, after the Nazis had been taken over, and yes, we went into a Cold War and things like that. But do you know that for the most part, we had 
the longest sustainable amount of peace that has ever been. You know why? Because our enemies were afraid of us. Do you know that Russia and China and the Middle East, and you can go, anybody you think is one of our enemies, they're afraid of us. You know why? Because we spend more money than they do. And, and in the past, we were willing to do a lot of stuff in order to take them over. I mean, we were the one that dropped two bombs on, on Japan to stop that double-headed war that we had on. Well, people go, well, why? You know, we're, we're the bad ones because we dropped the bombs on them. Well, you know what? America would have never been able to won that war if we had not put away one of the enemies and then focused on the other one. See, we have to have peace one way or another, and sometimes we've got to fight for it. Peace means that we're going to dig in. If it's under your feet, it'll soon be behind you. You've got to keep moving. Where you place your foot, there will be peace as well. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a little bit about the world and how it can come in and it can try to, it can try to get on our peace. In fact, the world tries to come in and cover our, our shoes up. You know, the, the one problem that the Roman soldiers had, and I read this years and years ago, and it was, uh, it was talking about a Roman soldier. Um, oh, this was, this was at like one of those uh, symposium things that you could read online about. They had Roman soldiers that was losing to the Germanic people. And the reason why they were doing this is because they had all these mud pits and the, the Germanic people would come in and put all this mud out there because these spikes, although they were good, they would cause them to slip. Eventually, your, your, the mud just cakes over the top of the shoe and you're just like everybody else now, right? Well, you know, one of the things that the Lord kept putting on my heart this week was, you know, we have to understand when we need to cleanse our peace, when we need to cleanse our feet, when we need to come back and be prepared for something else. How many people's went from one thing, maybe a job or, or some, let's say you had a transition in your life and I know mom's going through a transition where she just is retiring and everything. People go through transitions all the time. And you know what? Sometimes that means that you got to clean off your feet and prepare for the next thing. Because the thing that you had before has just covered you up. It's not brought that peace or it doesn't have that peace that you once had. In fact, it says in John chapter 13, verse 5, and a lot of people know this and, you know, I, I, like, I like this, but I don't see this as a humbling experience as much as Jesus was preparing his disciples for something. In verse 5 it says, After that he poured water into a basin, talking about Jesus, and began to wash the disciples' feet and wiped them with a towel which he had girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, are you, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said unto him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. 
Now, I will tell you, um, there's a picture of me, and I'm washing feet. We're, we're in Costa Rica, and that's Pastor Douglas. Well, there's a picture I didn't show because I got my feet washed. And let me just tell you, I had to humble myself a lot in order to let other people wash my feet. I went and washed all these other people's feet. It was perfectly fine. I didn't want anybody touching my feet. Now, it wasn't because of the way Reba wants it. Because Reba will beat you to death if you touch her feet. But my, my feet, it was just like, why would anybody want to touch my feet? Well, you know, after going through this whole thing of, of, and we were, this was my final, if you will, project in Bible school as we went on a mission trip. And this was like one of the last days that we had in the mission trip. And the more I think back on this day, this was the day that we were washing our feet and washing all of the junk that we had gotten into that week, all the, all the places that we had gone. And now we were going back to start and transition into something else. And it says right here, um, it says in verse 8, Peter said unto him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If, you, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said unto him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. Now, it goes on to tell us that, you know, it was Judas that he was talking about in that last little part there, that Judas had not become a part of his actual disciples. He didn't believe. And it said, it says here, it says, he who bathes needs only to, to wash his feet. Do you know that when, that we are clean on the inside, we became a new creature. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 says that we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now I've said this before. Dad used to sell meat uh, all the time and it was in a prepackaged deal, Right? We went to Costco the other day. I bought some ribs. They come in this big plastic bag. And, you know, I threw the thing into the buggy. I threw it in the back of my, my truck. I, I mean, all of it. It was perfectly fine when I got it home. Why? Because it was sealed. It means that no dirt could get inside of the bag. Well, Jesus is telling him, you're clean. On the inside of you, you're clean because you've heard what I've said and you've believed. But this is the thing. You're going to get some dirt on the outside of that bag. Just like Heather told me the other day, the other day when I got the ribs out. It's like, don't put that on the couch. Don't put that in the seat. You know why? Because the outside was dirty. You know that when, when Jesus was washing their feet, he was preparing them to go into another phase. You're clean on the inside, guys, but I want you to know that I'm preparing you for peace. I'm preparing you because your feet are covered right now in all the mire and all the stuff, and I need y'all to be prepared to bring peace after I'm gone. See, this was the Last Supper. See, a lot of times we do the, 
we only do one of the sacraments, right? We, go, we come up and we do, the, we do the bread and the wine. But Jesus came in and he washed their feet so that they could go back into the world and that they could bring peace because they were uninhibited. See, Jesus himself was trying to say, your feet are covered in preparation and I'm helping you to prepare it. It says here in Romans uh, 10, 15, it says, How shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings and good things. Now, I got news for you. Jesus was calling them into a ministry. He was telling them, in fact, one of the last things he said was, Don't just stay in Jerusalem, but go into the most utter parts of the world. Now he told them, go get the Holy Spirit. They had the day of Pentecost in the upper room and they did all of that. But then guess what happened? For like 15 plus years, they stayed in Jerusalem. The only people that went out was, you know, Philip and, and you had Paul that went out and Silas and Barnabas and all them. No one else went out. You know what really caused them to go out? In 70 AD, there was no more temple. In fact, Jerusalem was completely torn apart. The church grew pretty quickly. You know how? Because all those people that was all in one place, they had to go find somewhere else to go and worship and live and do all that. I mean, John goes from being in in Jerusalem or or in the, the Israel area to he's in Turkey. I mean, that's how much that completely and totally and utterly destroyed all of their comfort. And you know what happened? He told them, he said, you're going to have to go out into the uttermost parts of the world. He goes, but preach my gospel. See, the gospel of peace that brings glad tidings is because you were sent. You know, the the ministry of reconciliation means that we're sent. Each and every single one of us are sent out in the world to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is, I can bring peace to this situation. I can bring healing to this situation through Jesus Christ. I I can bring health and prosperity and life. Do you know that that the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is, it is in those people's feet. Because as they're going, they're getting dirty. But see, we've got to have a place to where we can, where we can wash our feet, get our peace ready, prepare those, those, those things that are, that are helping us to stand firm and to move forward. So Jesus' last supper was preparing his disciples for what was to come. Everyone needs the world washed off their feet from time to time. Now, you can, we can have a, a foot washing and that would be fine and we might do that one day. But guess what? The foot washing is only, is only the part of it that says, I am believing that I'm getting myself prepared to go on the next journey. Mark chapter 5. See, when, when we get in trouble, 
we typically, well, we don't, but back in those days, people, when they were in trouble, they fell down at the feet of somebody. See, we live in a completely different society. You can be wrong, and we've taught people in our society that you walk around and you act like you're right. I was victimized. You know, the worst part about that mentality is the fact that people never get peace. You know, they are victims. They're victims of their own fear. They're victims of their own malice. They're going to live the rest of their life chasing Allah. And guess what? They never asked for forgiveness at the feet of Jesus. It says here in Mark 5, 22 and 23, it says, Behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus was his name, and when he saw him, talking about Jesus, he fell at his feet and he begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Now, I want you to know, Jairus knew that Jesus was going to heal her. That's why he came. He was begging, please, please God, please Jesus, come and heal her. He, he humbled himself, but he also came to, to the place to where he could say, he could say, I will do what is necessary. Now I want you to understand, Jairus was one of the chief priests. He's in there and he's with all the people that's bad-mouthing Jesus. But because he came and fell down at Jesus' feet, Jesus knew right then, this man, whatever I tell him to do, he's going to do it. He's going to believe it and we're going to be able to get his daughter healed. In fact, in Mark 5, 24, it says, So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him it means they pushed against him. You know, whenever something happens, something amazing, I always find that right before it happens, there's always opposition. There's always something that's going to try to stop you. Now, it may not be bad. It might not be somebody that tries to come and attack you. But there may be things like, well, let's just say for an example, you may get a, you know, you know for a fact you're supposed to go do something that God is telling you to do. And all of a sudden a family member calls up and says, well, hey, can, besides going and doing that, can you come help me? And then you go, well, I guess I need to go help my family member. Or work calls. You know, I've had that happen multiple times. I've had people try to come and, and you know, divert me not because they were wrong or, or they wanted to do anything bad to me, but because opposition always comes. And sometimes that opposition is, is a swift attack. And then sometimes it's just somebody's going to get my mind off of things. My squirrel kicks in, right? How many people know what a squirrel, it's, it's the dog that he's sitting there and he's paying attention all of a sudden, squirrel. Well, that's, that's what happens to me is a lot of times God will say, hey, you're supposed to go do something. This week, I was talking to people about the Alabaster Connection. We're going to put a, a half-page ad in the Alabaster Connection. I'm believing we're going to get a great response from that. Amen. Amen. But let's just say this. There was multiple different times throughout that week that something happened. My knee popped back in. 
I had to get on a bunch of meetings for work because there's some stuff that's going on. All these different things was going on. I called the guy. I finally got in touch with him. Do you know that by the time I got to him, it didn't take me as long as I thought it was going to. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. You know that typically what God is asking you to do is very simple. And we're going to see Jesus and what he was going to go do was actually really, really simple. But he had a lot of opposition. In fact, a couple verses down, it says in Mark 5, 30, uh, 535, it says, while, so... The woman with the issue of blood came, touched the hem of his garments. Well, he had to stop. He had to talk to this lady that had been having this issue for over 20 years. He's sitting there and telling her, hey, your faith has made you whole. All that. Well, guess who's standing beside Jesus the whole time? Jairus. Jairus is standing over there. Think about this. If you had asked me to come help you, let's just say, come move something at your house. Okay, and all of a sudden we're driving and, and I go, somebody calls me on the phone and I say, you know, okay, Sonia, I'm going to come to your house and I'm going to help you move. Well, then all of a sudden somebody calls me up and I'm going, oh, I got to pick this up. And I'm there for 30 minutes, an hour, and I'm just talking and Sonia's sitting beside me. I bet Sonia's going, I probably should have asked Charlie to help me. See, Jairus was there the whole time looking at Jesus Watching this woman. And you know the first thing that happened. After he got. While he was still talking. To the woman with the issue of blood. Is it says while he was speaking. Some came from the rulers of the synagogue's house. And said your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further. Now I'm going to tell you. Jairus could have went just like this. He could have said. Jesus we've been standing here for 45 minutes. You could have already been in my house. And done everything you needed to do. And my daughter could be alive. Just like Sonia would have probably been. You could have moved that couch for me like 25 minutes ago. Right? But my, my point behind this is. Is that there was so much opposition coming against. Not only Jesus. The one that was being asked to go and do this. But also the opposition of the father. Jairus. There was opposition of the family. See, a lot of times we still let it sidetrack us. We let it get us out of our comfort zone. In verse 36, as soon as Jesus heard the words that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Jairus, he said, do not be afraid, only believe. In verse 37, he says, And he permitted no one to follow him except for Peter, James, John, uh, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler's synagogue and there and saw a atonement, which was just an uproar. There's people everywhere. He is probably one of the... I mean, you got to think about this. Jairus, we don't really think about this from the perspective of who he was. But let's just say for an example, if the president of the United States came to one of us and said, hey, I need you to come do something for me. Jairus was one of the most powerful men 
lived in the biggest houses, had the most money, he had everything, and he's standing in front of a circus. There was thousands of people. This wasn't like 15 people. In fact, I'd said this before, you can actually go look this up, but back in those days, because how important you were, they had professional mourners. They had people when you died, they would show up and they would be looking for a paycheck at the end. But the, the more you mourned and moaned and groaned and, oh, you know, tore your clothes through dust in the air, all this other stuff, the more money you would get. So there was people there looking for a paycheck. There was people there that were family members that was all distraught because this child had died. There's all this stuff going on. It's a three-ring circus happening. And it says right here, And those who wept and wailed loudly, when he came in, he said to them, Why make the commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they ridiculed him. Now, I'm going to tell you straight up, okay? A lesser man, a lesser person would have come up and said, yeah, this is too much. See you, Jairus. But Jesus said, no, I'm going to go take the ones that believe and we're going to go do the things that I know that I'm supposed to do. Now, watch all this because there's so much junk going on. The hard stuff is happening right now. The easy stuff comes here at the very end. And it says... And it says that um, in verse 40, it says they ridiculed him. But when he had put them outside. Now I want you to understand this word right here said that he put them outside. It means to pick up and to carry. You know, sometimes when you're waging war, you got to get forceful. Jesus started waging war because their unbelief was killing the ability for the father and the mother and for all those that was with them to believe with him. Guys, I got news for you. I know that some of y'all are looking at me like, Dusty, this is, this is hard stuff. But see, I want you to understand that sometimes in order to have peace, you've got to get people you got to get the people who don't believe, you got to get them away from the situation. And then you got to bring the people who do believe into the situation. Well, what if it's just one person that believes? Then kick everybody else out and you be the only one. Stir your own self up and go, I'm not going to give up until I see something good. And it says right here, it said that he had put them all outside. He kicked them out of the house. And he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and he entered into the uh, where the child was laying. Now look at how easy this was. See, we, we tend to think the hard thing was that he got this child healed, that the child came back to life. All he did was he came in and he, he took the child by the hand and he said, hey, little girl, Arise. He didn't dance around. He didn't, 
He didn't do anything. He didn't go, hey, go get those mourners. We're going to get them to start singing a praise and worship song. We need to, you know, have a bunch. Can I get everybody to bow your head? And we're going to get everybody's hands up. And I need everybody to do this because we've got to really get this miracle going. No, no, no. Jesus just took her by the hand and said, hey, little girl, get up. See, a lot of times peace is brought by just a word all the turmoil and all the different things that are going on around you that is trying to keep you from getting to the point of speaking the word of putting your faith out there to of grabbing the hand of somebody who's believing of bringing people together of trying to get things to where god wants them to be because he's believing see i want you to understand that all Jesus did was just walk in, grab her by the hand, and said, Get up, girl. And that was it. He didn't, there was no fanfare. The biggest fanfare he had was kicking the doubting, unbelieving, sorry, good for nothing mourners and wellers out of the house. See, Jesus waged war before he went in with peace. You know, one of the things that Jesus had told his disciples, and I'm going to end with this. So, Matt, if you want to start making your way up here, you can. Um, you know, a lot of times we don't understand when we're supposed to do something and when we're not supposed to do something. We also don't understand when we're supposed to let go and move on. And one of the things that I really loved because... This is a testimony to how, to how God basically tells us when you walk into a place to give peace and no one will take your peace. No one will, will, will be a part of your peaceful situation. This is what he told his disciples. In Luke chapter 9 verse 5 it says, And whoever will receive you when you go out of the city, shake will not receive you I'm sorry whoever will not receive you when they go out of the city shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them well how mean is that it's not mean means they didn't receive the peace but there's people out there that will there's people out there that will I want everybody to say there's people out there that will There is peace to be given. There's peace to be had. If you get into a situation where you can't bring peace to a situation or they're trying to bring you into their junk, you got to get that dust and that dirt and that, and that worldly thing off of your feet because you're going to have to go preach the gospel somewhere else. You're going to have to bring about the gospel to people in places that there is going to be the opportunities. But if you're standing in a place where they're getting you mired down into their junk, then guess what you got to do? All right, let's move on. Well, who's the next one? Who wants some peace? Amen. I want some peace. Do you know that the peace of God that passeth all understanding is in our heart and minds? Do you know that in 
of Philippians chapter 4 in in those set of scriptures, it talks about what we're supposed to think about. You know, I can walk up to somebody and I can tell you exactly what you're trying to think about. Because I can ask you a question. And if the first thing you're trying to think about is what is whatsoever things that are good, whatsoever things that are that are right and decent, well then that's what's going to come out. And that's what you should be putting in. And that's what you should be giving people. And that's where that's where your your um, peace needs to go. Bless you. Do you know that the peace of God that passeth all understanding that you carry that with you. And there are people out there that need to hear it. There's also people out there that's not going to hear it at all. And you shake it off your feet and you move on. When you can't achieve peace, let go and move on. Then pray for reconciliation. You know, that's one of the things I think is most um, it's, it's underdone in the church is that we force the subject rather than just go, okay, God, I don't know how to deal with this situation and I'm just making it worse, then I need to move on and I need to pray, Lord, you help me to reconcile it. Or you reconcile it in some other way. Because God can bring the right people, the right plan. Sometimes you were never supposed to be the peace for that situation. Sometimes you're too close to it. Sometimes it's just not right for you. You know, it's one of the reasons why I believe that um, Paul, every single time Paul got into a a bad situation, you know, Paul, all of his bad situations came not because he was going and preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. It It was only when he went back towards Jerusalem. You know, God... God told him through the Holy Spirit, don't go back to Jerusalem, go, go forward into the, you know, to preach the Gentiles. Then they sent Agabus. Agabus is the prophet. Agabus says, hey, if you go this way, I'm going to take your belt. I'm binding you. I'm showing you what's going to happen to you. You're going to be killed. The next thing you know is that an angel shows up and says, don't do it. How many times does God have to say, don't do it? See, that's the thing is that Paul was never going to bring peace to that situation. But Paul wrote three quarters of the New Testament about Gentiles. He didn't write three quarters of the New Testament about people who lived in Jerusalem. He wrote it to the churches that was out here in the world that was dealing with real stuff. We're going to deal with real stuff every single day. And we need to know when to stay and we need to know, okay, it's time to move on. Amen? Everybody bow your head and close your eyes. I'm just going to pray us out. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, that we are coming to a place, dear Lord, where we can put on the full armor of God and that we can walk out into our world, into the places, the highways, the byways, the places that you bring us and take us to, and that we can bring peace because we are preparing ourselves, that that our feet, that they are covered and bound under with the the right equipment to be able to stand, withstand, and also to continue on. And Father, I just pray, dear Lord, that peace is coming out of our mouth. Peace is coming uh, 
as the gospel says that we are supposed to proclaim the peace of God. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, that you're bringing people across their path, that they can minister the gospel of peace too. And Father, we just thank you that you are bringing about all of this to betterment of your glory, but also to benefit those that are sitting here, their families, their friends, and their jobs, and their relationships. And Father, we just thank you for it, and we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, I'll be down here at the front. But if there's nothing else, you are dismissed. Have a great week.